the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Happy Saturday. Welcome to the Jimmy Sangenberger Show here on News Talk 710-KNUS. Yip, yip, yahoo. Leroy Doffenbaugh is finally back behind the glass after a couple months hiatus from this program. Glad to have you back, brother. Looking forward to the... The ride we will take here on the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. Moving ahead, full steam. Good to be with you today. Good to have Leroy back here. 303-696-1971 is our telephone number if you'd like to join in to the festivities. When you do, be nice to Leroy. You know, it's his first day back of the Jimmy Sangenberger show since last year. So the guy needs a little bit of a break. If you're going to give him a call, I know he's been easing in with Stefan's show and all that. But come on, this is the Jimmy Sangenberger show. It's real prime time. Be as nice as you can to good old Leroy, will you? 303-696-1971. You can also text in to the program on the 710-KNUS app on your smartphone. It's free to download if you don't have it. What the heck are you doing? Go on, log on, and download it. Plus, you can also reach me on social media, at Sang Center on Twitter. That's saying with an E, not an A, Center on Twitter. On Facebook, facebook.com slash Jimmy Sangenberger Pro, or just search Jimmy Sangenberger Media Personality on Facebook. And then, of course, there are a couple of ways to email yours truly directly. One, you can log on to 710knus.com and go to the Jimmy Sangenberger Show page. You can also email me via my website, jimmysangenberger.com, and log on to the contact page there. Remember, there's no A, I, or U in Sangenberger. It's all E's all the time. Once you know that, Sangenberger is E-Z. 303-696-1971. Again, our telephone number. Lots to discuss and do today. We will talk with candidate for mayor of Denver, Mike Johnston, former state senator, who will join us in studio at the top of the next hour to offer up his thoughts on the state of Denver and why he believes he is the right man to lead the city into, hopefully, God willing, whoever the next mayor is, a much better situation. It's hard to imagine that you can go any more downhill from here, but I don't know. I wouldn't put it past Denver at this point. So we'll talk with Mike Johnston here in studio in the 7 o'clock hour. Then I asked my good buddy Keith Nobles, former military intelligence contractor, to come back on the program because a year ago this week, when I was filling in on the Stefan Tubbs show, we had this exchange. Keith, I, 
I said earlier today, I was like, wouldn't it be something if uh, I bring you on the air and the invasion begins? And I shouldn't have said that, brother. I, I Welcome to the show. It's good to have you this afternoon. Well, thanks for having me on. And no, you should not have said that. <laughs> I spoke, I spoke way prophetic. too soon. My gosh, I know. So Putin on February 21st of last year made his first moves into a couple of regions of Ukraine that he declared were Russian territory. And that really was the beginning of the invasion. Then a few days later, on February 24th, it began full throttle with the military campaign. But here we are a year later. What is the situation like on the ground? What is going on with these Abrams tanks that were promised? Will they get F-16 fighters? So on and so forth. We'll talk with... Keith Nobles, who was a military intelligence contractor during the last decade plus of the Cold War. Tremendous insights on Russia, as well as China, which he has been arguing we have been in a Cold War with since the mid-1990s. So looking forward to Keith's insights a year later. Yeah, that actually happened. I talked to him off air beforehand earlier, and I was like, wouldn't it be something if... uh, The invasion actually happened while we were on the radio. It started, and lo and behold, it basically did. Yeah, last time I'm going to talk about, wouldn't it be something if an invasion happens while I'm on the air? I'm not going to do that again, Leroy. That's just not, I just don't think that's a good idea in the future. So those are our two guests, Mike Johnston and Keith Nobles, plus you at 303-696-1971. Where to begin with the news of the day, with education stories. I've had, since last Sunday, I've had three columns published already, and I've got a fourth one coming out tomorrow, all dealing with some facet of education. We talked last week a lot about what was happening in Woodland Park. We're going to add to that story of a union meeting, teachers' union meeting, of the Woodland Park Education Association in just a bit. Because there is more to what we discussed last week than just the fact that they believe that Woodland Park schools are in crisis because, really, of politics. We'll get to that. Also, school resource officers being tossed off campus a few years ago hasn't worked out so well for Denver. And the situation very likely to just continue to get worse. We've got that to talk about. And tomorrow's story column on Jeffco schools spurning parents and accountability. But first, on Tuesday, it is happening. The Supreme Court of the United States, a.k.a. Big SCOTUS, will be taking up the issue of student loan forgiveness in court. And whether or not this is permissible, what Biden is doing under the 2003 Higher Education Relief Opportunities for Students Act, and broadly speaking, let's just put it, Plainly, the U.S. Constitution, does it allow a president to unilaterally wipe away student debt? You know, if if Biden really thought that 
this was likely to happen that or a likely victory for him in court, he probably would have mentioned student loans during his State of the Union address. He talked about all sorts of different goodie bags that he wanted to toss out to folks and had been tossing out to folks. He talked about going against the junk fees. And he talked about raising taxes and more. He didn't talk about student loan forgiveness and chastise the Supreme Court like, say, Barack Obama did back in 2010. He didn't even address the student loan issue at all, perhaps because it's a big loser in court. It is not something that the Supreme Court is likely to uphold. But here's what they did. Biden, remember, he announced that he would unilaterally wipe away up to $20,000 in student loan debt for the vast majority of borrowers. Cancel it for 95% of borrowers. This is a result in part of large part of the federal takeover of student loans during the Obamacare time period when the feds took over student loans almost entirely. There's still some private loans, not nearly as many as there used to be. Now, the Biden administration has invoked the 2003 Higher Education Relief Opportunities for Students, or the HEROES Act, as its authority. Now, this law, as the Wall Street Journal puts it in an editorial this week, says the education secretary can waive or modify any statutory or regulatory provision related to federal student aid when necessary in connection with a war or other military operation or national emergency. But the law was intended to help students in the military and explicitly limited relief to those borrowers affected by an emergency or war. Before the pandemic, the provision was rarely used and only to make discrete changes. Then you had the Trump and Biden administration and they stretched the law uh, to extend a student loan payment pause that Congress enacted in March 2020. Still going on now. We are three years into making it so that student loan borrowers don't have to pay a penny because they're not going to get interest. They're not going to get charged interest. Well, now the Biden administration says, well, that law does even more. It allows us to forgive debt unilaterally for all borrowers. Now, that's absolutely ludicrous. There is no such sweeping power of the president. And we did see in the last couple of years, we did see the Supreme Court rebuke the president on the vaccine mandate and on the rental eviction moratorium. So hopefully that is a sign that Biden will be taken to task and shown that there are limits to presidential authority. You are not the king. Where's the Mel Brooks clip when you need it? It's good to be the king. That's not what Joe Biden is. He's an elected president of the United States. And as the journal writes, it's hard to overstate the stakes in this case. 
If a president can get away with this power play, it's hard to see what limit would be left on executive rule. And without a doubt, that is the case. Now, the states had been arguing in a case called Biden versus Nebraska. And that's, I believe, the case that's going before the Supreme Court on Tuesday, that the Biden administration hasn't shown that all borrowers who will receive relief have been adversely affected by the pandemic. Remember, this is about an emergency. So they're looking at it less on constitutional laws and more on constitutional law and more on. Well, this is the HEROES Act that you're using, and the HEROES Act doesn't authorize you to do what you're doing. They're using statutory arguments as opposed to a constitutional argument. And they point out that you haven't proven that all borrowers were adversely affected by the pandemic. And in fact, there are some studies that show that some borrowers are financially better off than before COVID. And in fact, the Biden administration itself had said in September of last year that household finances are stronger than pre-pandemic. Well, if that's the case, what justification do you have for just canceling student loans? Remember, this is something that Nancy Pelosi insisted. Nope, you can't do it. This is something that Biden himself said, I don't have the power to do, but suddenly he divines the power out of nowhere? Really? No. Nonsense. Poppycock. Baloney. Hooey. Not true. And we will find that out, I think, after the Supreme Court hears this case, and eventually this summer, by June, I think, is when we'll, we're expected to get a decision. But keep in mind that this isn't just a slight modification of discrete provisions. This is not just waiving discrete provisions. As the journal writes, it's rewriting the federal student loan program wholesale. As the high court emphasized in its landmark West Virginia v. EPA decision last year, executive actions involving questions of major political and economic significance require clear congressional authorization. And yes, that is the case. Again, Biden, you might think it's good to be the king, but you ain't the king. Stay in your lane as described by the U.S. Constitution and don't exploit a law from literally 20 years ago that had no conception of what you're saying. In fact, if we were to go back, Biden, 20 years ago, when I'm pretty sure you voted for, as a U.S. senator, the 2003 Higher Education Relief Opportunities for Students Act, and we asked Biden 2003... Whether or not this is something you could do one way or the other, you would advocate very strongly. Nope, can't do it. No way. In fact, as vice president under Obama 10 years ago in 2013, I would think you would say, well, we could nationalize student loans and have the system controlled by the feds, as Obama did. He took over the student loan system. But you can't just cancel student loan debt, yet somehow He's divined away. Nonsense. 
but they're making the case anyway. Clearly, they think, again, that it's too weak to stand muster before the Supreme Court because he didn't even mention it. Talk about it in his State of the Union address. Why wouldn't you if you're so confident in the likelihood of victory? God willing, that lack of confidence will turn into reality and the Supreme Court will rebuke Joe Biden for this massive and excessive overreach of the President of the United States. What do you make of this? 303-696-1971. Do you expect that the Supreme Court will strike down Biden's monstrosity here? Or will they give him a pass on some level? Will they find some little loophole to give him a lane where he could at least do it a little bit? And then what happens in the future? In Congress, if Congress has the ball in their court, as they should... To handle student loans. Will Republicans get their act together and actually address the issue or allow Democrats to exploit it? That's been my concern for months, for years. We'll see where things go from here, especially if the Supreme Court it does indeed do the right thing. You're listening to the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. When we come back, some more on the Woodland Park Teachers Union as well and a couple of other education stories this hour as we get rolling here on the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. News Talk 710-KNUS. Keep it right here. Welcome back to the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. Putting Leroy in a good mood. I know you've been listening the best, missing the best damn bumper music known to man, brother. Little Little Red Rooster by the great late Junior Wells. It is the last Saturday of Black History Month. Junior Wells, my favorite harmonica player, my stage name Jimmy Junior, in part plays pays homage to Junior Wells. And this morning, he's kicking off our lineup of the legendary black blues harmonica players that paved the way on that badass instrument. That's what we're doing this morning. It is all bumpers of some of the most seminal harmonica players, black blues harmonica players that you will find looking in the repertoires. And I'm looking forward to it. Good to be with you on the program. 303-696-1971, of course, is our telephone number. So remember last week we did our expose playing exclusive audio of a meeting that took place held by the Woodland Park Education Association on January 30th. And... What we learned from the, shall we call them, Woodland Park tapes is that they don't like the politics of the school board there and the superintendent of schools. And so they are coordinating with unions across the state to thwart them and also doing so with unions that are uh, with other unions for other districts. There is clear statewide coordination going on. And Woodland Park is just 
a small town of 8,000 people nestled on Pikes Peak's North Slope. It's the largest town in Teller County, but it's small. 2,100 or so students in that district. And yet, it is sort of the epicenter of union shenanigans intended to thwart political opponents. So here's just a couple minutes montage recapping. The main speaker in this clip is Nate Owen, the president of the WPEA, the Woodland Park Education Association. That's the union there. And when you hear reference to the CEA, that refers to the Colorado Education Association. So take a listen to this. The WPEA has filed for a crisis assessment uh, from CEA. If we get that crisis grant, there will be um, some additional funding coming our way. And CEA is watching what's going on, and they recognize that we are in crisis. We've seen this same fight get fought across the state. We saw it fought in Jeffco a few years ago. It's being fought in Dugco. It's it's being fought in Pueblo. Um, We're fighting it in Colorado Springs in Air Academy School District. We're fighting it in Colorado Springs District 11. This is happening in Chris D49. This same fight is happening. But I will tell you that I have reached out to some of my contacts at all these other schools. And they said, yes, Nate, if you need our help in any way, shape, or form, let us know, and we will be there to support you. So don't think that what you're doing is something that's unique to Woodland Park. This is a giant nationwide battle. It's a statewide battle. It's a regional battle. And you guys are one of the epicenters of it. Miles, Merritt Academy, all of those people, their flashes in the air. Figure about figure out how you want to recapture your district. This board and wit have gone broke. For those of you that don't know, I heard that Ashlyn Mayer from Jeffco was contacted. She was the student representative that led um, the Jeffco students against Ken Witt in Jeffco eight years ago. Um, she has um, volunteered her time to assist us in whatever way she can. Not a member yet. Last night to join. I think you have some applications here. And again, you know, we're the number one union in the state, and we're dying to get to educators. At the end there, I put in a pitch for joining the teachers union because, of course, they're going to do that. It was an all-staff meeting with like 80 employees in person or via Zoom. And by all staff, it was anybody's welcome, but it was very quiet. They had effectively had bouncers, but there was a recording made. I got a hold of it, and there you go. So they're declaring a crisis in Woodland Park schools because they disagree with the politics. Let's be clear. For the union, it's not a problem of declining enrollment in the school district, as has been happening over the last several years. It's not a problem in Woodland Park of plummeting student achievement. For the union, it's a problem of politics. Well, as I wrote for the first time this past Thursday in a column for Colorado Politics, and I detailed that story in a piece for the Denver Gazette last week, 
on uh, on Sunday of last week, unions ignore the real crisis in our schools. But on Thursday, I exposed this other element, how they are avoiding open records, the Colorado Open Records Act. Nate Owen, the president of the Woodland Park Teachers Union, said the following, stressing, look, my email, it, it is a private email. Once again, this is a private email. Um, it is not school-sponsored in any way, shape, or form. I created it when I took over as the WPVA president, so that way I could have a slightly more official address, so that way when I had to communicate with our um, executive administrators and with our um, leadership in the district, they would know it was coming from me as opposed to some random person pretending to be me. And I let um, Delatina know that this was the address that I'd be communicating with them with from as well, but this is non-correlable because it is a private email. Even though it says Panther and WPBA, it's all, so it's 100% uncorrelable as a private email. Multiple emphases, it's not correlable, which means you can't access it with Colorado Open Records Act requests because it's a personal email. Now, what's interesting, he also said that he he created that email as a place for people to reach out. But in an email back to me responding to questions I sent him a couple of weeks ago, Owen claimed his union email address is private because it is used by all Woodland Park Education Association presidents so that our members always know how to get a hold of their leadership regardless of who is currently holding the position. But right there we heard the guy say, I created this email. I created this email. Moreover, by repeatedly stressing the private nature of the email and the fact that his district email has been subject to many records requests, Owen effectively admitted it's a way to dodge public scrutiny of union activities that directly impact Woodland Park students. And here's him emphasizing the concern over Cora's. Cora requests have been crazy, um, especially around me and my and Owen at WPSDK12 email. Um, I get Cora at least once a month, if not twice or three times a month around certain, and each one of those in different things. Um, there's over 300 corrects over the past year that have been directed at different people, especially in my leadership structure. Um, trying to, I'm not sure, but I know that they're trying to dig for something. Especially in my leadership structure, meaning they're primarily going after emails of teachers union leaders, doesn't it? Do you put the pieces? Can you put the pieces together now? There are a lot of CORAs, Open Record Act requests, that have been coming in primarily toward the union leadership. I create a new email so that you can have a one place to email me easily. And oh, by the way, let me just stress multiple times that it's not CORAable that it can't be accessed through the public scrutiny tool that is the Colorado Open Records Act. So not only are they 
conspiring with other unions to thwart the district leadership that they disagree with politically. And by the way, fewer than 30% of teachers in Woodland Park are members of the union. Note that, too. So they're trying to stoke the sense of a crisis, take steps to thwart the district leadership that they disagree with, and in order to accomplish that objective with greater secrecy, he sets up this email that can't be correlable. Claiming it's not that reason, but clearly that's the reason. My goodness. It's interesting, isn't it, to see and hear how the union operates and what their intentions are, what their goals are, what their strategies are. And now we know a little bit more. I detailed this more in my Colorado politics column on Thursday, Juvenile Tactics by Denver Woodland Park School Leaders. It's the first time that audio has been heard yet. When we come back, let's talk a little bit about Tay Anderson. We've got some updates on good old Tay. He lost in court again this week. The Denver Public Schools Board Vice President And, of course, he's continuing to oppose school resource officers coming back to campus. We've got that and more coming up on the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. 303-696-1971. You're listening to Denver's local talk leader, News Talk 710-KNUS. Oh, yeah. We're going way back here. One of the greatest harp players ever to play the instrument. Sonny Boy Williamson, too, doing his tune, Help Me. And that's soulful. Like, wow, you can just listen to the passion and feel it with each and every single solitary note. Absolutely incredible. A pioneer on this, the last Saturday of Black History Month, we're playing, paying tribute to some of the great early black harmonica players of the blues as we continue on the jimmy sangenberger show best damn bumper music known to man nearly 10 years running here on news talk 710 knus so Boy williamson too singing help me you gotta help me well somebody sure does gotta help good old tay anderson how you doing jimmy good how are you tay doing all right love your weekly articles about me Now, of course, Tay Anderson is the vice president of the Denver Public Schools Board of Education. And let's just give you a little bit of context. He's the number one reason why DPS does not have school resource officers stationed on campuses in the district, in high schools. Because they removed them in 2020. And then the next year, what did they do? They implemented a discipline matrix that severely limits the instances in which school district safety officials, safety officers, can call law enforcement to campus. And we are seeing the results of this. We saw it a couple weeks ago with the shooting that happened with a student in critical condition at East High School. 
outside East High School. 20 minutes later, outside the Emily Griffith campus. And those are just a couple of instances that happened in one day. They have recovered many guns, including guns with serial numbers scratched off. Apparently, many of these guns are stolen, which makes sense. We're talking about youth here, teenagers. And it's bad. Now, of course, Tay Anderson, being the hypocrite he is, doesn't want kids to have access to law enforcement to protect them. But he will go into schools or into school board meetings wearing a bulletproof vest. He will attend public events such as the Marade, and he will have a security person, a detail assigned to him. And then when he gets caught speeding outside a school zone and has an encounter like this with police officers, he cries racism and gets a phone call directly from the acting chief of police. Hi, I'm Officer Gann, Denver Police. I stopped you for speeding, 35 and a 25. Can I see your license and registration, please? Permission to pull down my pocket? Yeah, I've, I've asked you for certain documents. I expect you to reach around to get them. I just don't want to get shot by you. Well, that's a myth. And remember, that happened last fall, I believe. And, of course, he's the one who would text Chief Paul Pazin in the summer of hell 2020 asking for help from police, such as, hey, sorry to bother, I just found this on Google about searches on me. Should I be concerned? That was a June 2020 text to Pazin, along with a screenshot of troubling Google search terms. We'll look into it right away, Pazin responded. So, Tay Anderson, why don't DPS kids have that same protection? He gets to exercise his police privilege, get in touch with the chief of police even when he has an issue, while bashing the police, by the way. And he doesn't want the kids at DPS to have that kind of protection. Well, here's something quite interesting. On Tuesday, a judge lifted Anderson's temporary restraining order against a DPS father, community activist, and noted district critic named Brandon Pryor. Pryor is the founder of Robert F. Smith STEAM Academy, a public STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math innovation school modeled off historically black colleges and universities. Pryor, Pryor himself is black as well. Much to Pryor's frustration, the school board voted last year to move STEAM Academy far from where its predominantly minority student body resides. And last month, Pryor and Anderson got into a heated argument inside the building where they both work or worked. We'll get to worked in a moment. It reportedly had to do with the school board's inaction regarding STEAM Academy and happened weeks after DPS lost a lawsuit against Pryor for banning him from school board meetings and other school functions. Yes, indeed. DPS board said, we're not allowing you to board meetings and other school functions. Pryor said, like hell you aren't, went to court and won. Well, Anderson got an original temporary restraining order after this argument happened in the building where they both were working. And Pryor 
did concede that he raised his voice, but he says he never threatened Anderson. And, of course, Tay claimed otherwise. Well, according to Chalkbeat, after Anderson's attorney finished their case, Denver County Court Judge Carrie Lombardi stopped the proceedings to dismiss Tay's protection order case before Brandon Pryor even made his case or called his witnesses. Lombardi ruled that Tay clearly hadn't met the burden of proof required for a permanent restraining order. Of course, this is the same guy who's previously tried to use the court system to silence criticism. For example, going to court with a defamation lawsuit in November 2021, and most of his claims were dismissed with prejudice last April. And also last year, he tried using the courts to discredit the report on a 2021 investigation that found conduct by Tay Anderson with students and investigation witnesses was egregious enough for his board colleagues to censure him. And the judge in this case flatly rejected Mr. Anderson's arguments. Now, this is a big deal for the restraining order, because if Tay had gotten the restraining order, who would have to help enforce a restraining order? Law enforcement, ladies and gentlemen, law enforcement. And he goes to court over this and he loses. Anderson always seems to believe it's better to silence critics, including parents like Pryor, than to deal with the real issues going on in schools. And by the way, when Brandon Pryor spoke at their last board meeting or a board meeting they had on Tuesday, Tay Anderson got up and left the room, showing his unwillingness to productively engage with critics. Well, here's even more. The argument happened in the building of a nonprofit called the Struggle of Love Foundation, where Tay worked and Brandon Pryor also works in that building. Well, Tay Anderson was fired from his job this week at Struggle of Love Foundation. He claimed in a post it was he was laid off, but got to tell you, the president of that organization, I think it was the president or co-founder, expressed in court real uh, how upset he was that this was in court in the first place. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. Not a good week for Tay Anderson. Mike Johnston, candidate for mayor, joins us in the next hour. Stay here. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 